0: Hello and welcome to another special pop-up edition of the How To Wow podcast, this time with the whip-smart neuroscientist Professor Russell Foster, author of Lifetime, the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health. Just after Russell was on the show, this book went to number seven in the Amazon Moves and Shakers. And by lunchtime of the same day, it had gone to number one in the bestsellers. And so many people said, we didn't hear the interview. Could you put it up so it could then drop down as a special podcast, which is exactly what we've done. OK, so stand by for absolute gold with Professor Russell Foster. But first, every morning, Tash, my wife and I go scoop da loop with one heap scoopful of this all-round nutritional insurance, which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic green superfood, scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy, recovery, immunity and digestion. Deep seaweed green like nature itself. This eye candy concoction takes just a few seconds, like no more than five or six. Okay, ten tops. To prepare and taste absolutely let like and so here's how you can get yours. Simply visit athleticgreens.com/slash/how-to-wow and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com/slash/how-to-wow. Okay, and don't forget/slash/how-to-wow because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given How to Wow listeners a free year's supply of vitamin D and five travel-free packs. To today to take with you on the go once again athleticgreens.com slash don't forget how to wow okay time to cue 25 minutes of absolute wonder and awe from neuroscientist professor russell foster good morning (laughs) russell Uh, good morning chris so the wise um late night owl meets the uh, barking mad early birds how's this going to go i wonder
1: Indeed, yeah. I, I, I'm, now I'm, a, I'm OK. As I've got older, yes. of course, I've got more of a morning type. But as a student, I was really quite a late type.
0: Right, so the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health. How come it's a relatively new science, considering it's been around for as long as we have?
1: Well... It's a good point. I mean, what's happened over the past 20 years? The Nobel Prize, of course, was given in 2017 for understanding the molecular mechanisms that generate this 24-hour oscillation, this internal clock within. And it is incredible. I mean, it's the best example we have of how genes encoding their protein products, those proteins interact, and then generate a 24-hour oscillation. But in parallel with this extraordinary science, you've got the realisation that these clocks are impacting upon every aspect of our life. Whether it's our ability to generate a sleep-wake cycle, our memory consolidation, our processing of information, our metabolism, you name it, those clocks are involved. And that's been the revolution. It's the realisation we've got to embrace this biology and use it to enhance our sleep and our health.
0: And ignore all this at your peril and embrace it at your fortune. Yeah, absolutely. Why Why don't we do it more? I think there has been... Um, a tradition
1: of marginalizing sleep Mar- you know sleep is for wimps um, it 's an indulgence it 's a luxury and it may go back to sort of the old Protestant work ethic because work is virtuous and and, and of course when you 're asleep you can 't work and therefore sleep by definition is not virtuous yeah. and i think there's there 's that sort of baggage and it 's sort of uh, uh, you know it's it 's the way that we 've structured our our industrial society um, and in a sense many elements of the workforce have been bludgeoned into submission
0: yeah and it's really not good for us and we continue to sort of swim against our natural tide like meal times for example speak to meal times please if you don't mind <laughs> well it's fascinating because
1: uh, you know we we tend to have our main meal at the end of the day and that's again a, a part of the, the way we've we've structured our lives you know the, the commute home the end of the day that's when we eat but in fact in the pre-industrial era it was breakfast and lunchtime in the medieval era that's when all the feasts were they were at our lunchtime and that has that's really important to appreciate because our ability to process food and glucose for example is much more efficient during the first half of the day during the second some really ex- interesting experiments had individuals on calorie restriction and one group had it their, their calories in the morning to lunchtime, and the other group lunchtime to evening, and the lunchtime to evening lost far less weight than those uh, on the morning uh, side. So, so it, it it impacts you know upon our ability to
0: process. And glucose. we've allowed it to be pushed later, and then you couple it with the the slowing of metabolism and the cal- calories in the afternoon literally count double to calories in the morning. We've yeah. had somebody else talking on about that, and that is a thing. That is a true, true thing. Mm. Um, and then you you've, you you. You sort of compound that with the kind of foods we're eating yeah. and the addictive qualities of those foods, or, or not qualities, what things that take away from our well being, salt, oil, and sugar, of course, being the three main um, sort of uh, villains in, in that particular scenario. And um, our decision tree becoming less and less um, easy to resist because yeah. tempta- we fall to temptation the more tired we get. Yep. And you have this recipe for disaster, which is happening on a daily basis. And we seem to be doing nothing about it. Yeah what should we what can we do about it individually and also as as a race i think we've got to
1: get this educational message out. I mean, I think a really clear example of this is in night shift work. If you look at night shift workers, they're at higher risk of obesity, diabetes too, metabolic problems, you know, generally. What do we provide in terms of food opportunities for our night shift workers? It's high fat, it's high sugar. Now, why nobody has actually developed a protein-rich, easy-to-digest food for the canteen to enhance, you know, uh, individuals' health on the night shift work? It, it, it just, It's just
0: crazy it just hasn't been done but there's a market um, out there and yeah. you know we are seeing the green shoots uh, of more wellness and well-being you know uh, again um, in the interest of of you know big food um because they've got they have to make it profitable and that will drive if they can make money out of that will drive change and if we stop buying the rubbish stuff they will have to change yeah. which is good yeah that's all that's all great um what about different times to exercise to do with our circadian rhythms? well that's a little bit complicated so we have this, yeah.
1: We have this sort of uh, uh, different metabolic state. So, so during the daytime, we're taking in calories and we're burning them. Yep. Um, but at night time, of course, we're relying on stored calories, which we then um, mobilise and then burn. And so there's two options here. Um, if you exercise before breakfast, mm-hmm. you're still on nighttime metabolism. So you're burning stored fat. You're burning stored calories. Right. However, our ability to exercise improves throughout the day to the late afternoon, early evening. So uh, exercising at that time means you'll have um, a great, greater power, a greater Uh, greater uh, ability to exercise so you have an option if you're a morning person and, and you're comfortable with this then you could um, have your exercise bout uh, before breakfast or uh, somebody like me you'd have your exercise bout um, in the late afternoon uh, uh, an early evening uh, and that's when I can actually do more exercise more efficiently and burn more calories so, so, so many people for example have a dual thing they have a, a 10 or 20 minute pre-breakfast and then a 30-40 then a, a minute um, you know on their elliptical or whatever uh, later on in the day
0: so Cristiano Ronaldo, famously one of the fittest people in the world, he's 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 um, eking out his footballing career much longer than other people in the past have. He doesn't exercise that much. What he does is he exercises often. So and this is part of his you know, exercise of sport. He moves for 15 to 20 minutes every hour yeah. for 12 hours during the day. That's how he exercises with you, with um, to, to 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 remain fit. And if you go and stay at his house, he will invite you to move with him. For fifteen minutes every hour. That's interesting. How does that sit with you?
1: No, that, that's great. I mean, you know, essentially, you're you're moving around, you're burning calories. I mean, one group where where movement is really important is in the in the elderly, and and so one of the great problems that the elderly face is is the need to get up in the middle of the night and pee. Um, and what happens if you're sitting all day at, uh, in a chair watching telly or at a desk is that fluid accumulates in the lower legs right. when you lie flat um, that liquid, that fluid is then re- 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 you know, re- re- reabsorbed and in fact just by lying down, if you've been sitting all day you can generate a litre of urine the bladder is about 350 mils so you know, before you lie down and go to bed, get that fluid reintegrated within, within
0: your, within your <laughs> system. <laughs> you talk about the <laughs> bottle don't you talk about the bottle in the book the bottle of tea in the book uh, well yeah i mean <laughs> i mean yes that's right it's good for the garden <laughs> it is good for the garden but gardening generally you know the long the longest living um, areas in the world the blue zones which i'm sure you're aware of you know it, it is all about gardening it is all about constant movement isn't yeah. it it is all about rarely sitting down yeah, and right. making that a thing and you know, we often say, Oh, take the my mommy say, oh, let, let's take the weight off our feet. Take the weight off your feet. Come in, sit down, take the weight off your you. But you sort of don't want to take the weight off your feet, yeah. really, do you? No, it's tricky. I mean, in fact, you know, writing the book, I would sit there, you know, and
1: grind out the sort yeah, of yeah. page after page and, and Lizzie, my wife, would, would come in and say, you know, about time you got up and walked around and said, Oh yeah, good point, and we'd have a little walk around the garden together. Yeah. Yes. Because it was all done during lockdown.
0: Yeah, and also you do feel, you know, especially when you're writing, writing you because your brain uses so many calories, you do feel like you've been exercising, but you haven't. Yeah. And it's the same with thing when you go on a long drive, you know, you 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 finish. If, if I go on a you know car tour or something, around some various islands somewhere for a three-day car tour, you know, with an a, a event, uh, you get to your destination and you're starving, hungry. But that's that's not. It's not the the equation that you think may be taking place there.
1: Mm, that's right, absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, what about? Um, what about the best time to have sex? Because you do talk about
1: it. Well, it d- depends what you want to do with that right. sex. If you want to have fun mm-hmm. or if you want to um, uh, produce um, children. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite interesting. There's, um, in males, there's a, a morning rise in testosterone. Right. And in fact, in healthy uh, young males, levels of testosterone can be 50% or, or, or more higher at that time of, of, of day. And in fact, sperm is um, more active and fitter uh, first thing in the morning. Uh, so uh, that would be uh, perhaps a good time. But the key thing to understand is that ovulation, you know, the production of this this egg that can be potentially fertilised, is all being gated by a circadian system. And you know, there's a whole chain of timed events to produce this beautifully timed ovulation. And sperm must be in the fallopian tubes about two days before ovulation. And so that's the best time to conceive uh, and have... Now, what's also turned out to be really interesting is that uh, night shift workers, night shift nurses, for example, or uh, airline stewardesses whose circadian rhythms are disrupted, they have... Much more uh, irregular uh, periods, um, sometimes no periods at all. Uh, very difficult to uh, actually conceive, and there's a significant increase of miscarriage. So it's a good example of where our circadian rhythms are actually impacting directly on our reproductive health.
0: And long haul um, uh, flight crew and um, night shift workers, yeah. you know, often like nurses who work their socks off, yeah. you know, can suffer with weight gain, e- despite oh, yeah. the fact that they're moving so much because of ghrelin and, and leptin and things. Do you, do you want speak about
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what's so interesting. You know, the, the hunger hormone ghrelin is released when we're tired. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there were some studies on healthy young males and show that I think with four or f- five hours only of sleep each night, their ghrelin levels went up something like 28%. Their, their leptin levels, the satiation hormone, went down by 17%. And their carbohydrate consumption after a week went up by 35 to 40%. So tired people are predisposed to crave more and eat more, particularly of carbs.
0: Yeah, which is so unfair. And again, they <laughs> yeah. fall into the fast food thing because yep. you know it's the middle of the night and they're eating the wrong thing and they get no nutritional value whatsoever. And then they get to salt and sugar and it's a massive downward. They need people need help. They really do need help. Well, the thing is, we haven't armed individuals oh, with no. that knowledge. It's not fair. And that was again the, the point of the book, which is
1: hopefully people can take this information on board. And it's not preachy or shouty. One small. of one of the things that I've got frustrated about is this sort of the sergeant majors of sleep. You must get eight hours. You mustn't use a kindle before you go to bed yep. all that stuff actually this is the unpacking the science behind all that stuff and people can then make informed decisions for themselves and that's the key thing for me
0: simon raises a great point it's almost like he's read your book and he just wants you to talk about it uh, simon in peterborough i've got a question for russell is blue light as harmful for sleep as people say it is <laughs> yeah well no, no it's not, um
1: and in fact you know we're the group that discovered these new receptors these blue light sensitive receptors yeah. in the eye and i mean the, this is
0: massive news the fact yeah, you're saying
1: I, that that is that is Is now a modern-day myth. I think, yes. So let let me just give you the data. So there was a study that looked at Kindle use. So these individuals were asked to look at a Kindle for four hours... Yeah. Um, immediately before bedtime on five consecutive nights. And at the end of that, you know, huge insult with a Kindle, if you you think about it, um, sleep was delayed by just statistically ten minutes. And as one of my colleagues said at a meeting, well, it's statistically significant but biologically meaningless. And so I think that the thing about devices, it's not the light, it's the alerting effect it will have on the brain. Um, and I, we've got to get that right, because I am I, you know, speaking to some teenagers, and they said, oh yeah, I know all about that. I've got this, my computer, it goes from blue blue to orange, so I'm not going to be a, affected. And I said, okay, well, what, what time are you actually getting to sleep? And he said, well, about 2 a.m. <laughs> so they think it's, you know, a blue to orange will protect them.
0: And, and of course, it's having no effects yeah, whatsoever. It's It's excitement. It's yeah. creativity.
1: And I think part of the reason why why those those screen shifts have been so popular is that they're easier on the eye.
0: Yeah. Um, but the data supporting that they shift the clock is not really there. And this is all this is all drawn from the vertebrae of our circadian rhythm. For you listening now, "Lifetime: The New Science of the Body Clock and How It Can Revolutionise Your Sleep and Health." It's all about the sense of that our inner radar, you know, our inner sort of sundial, if you like, literally sometimes an inner sundial isn't it Uh, of what we should be listening to and why and how come we're not you know how come we're not is it because we have been it's like boiling the frog isn't it you just turn up the the heat gently and he doesn't know he's being boiled and before you know before he can realize it it's too late and he's a goner is that is that's what has been happening to us as a society do you think Uh, yeah I, i think we i mean we tried we did some
1: studies a few years ago before lockdown um to look at the sleep wake of teenagers um, and we found that about 20-25% of teenagers have a level of insomnia that, that could be sort of thought about as, as clinical. And then we developed some teaching tools for teachers to teach to their students, and we worked very closely with the teachers, and we showed that actually that 25% of kids who were showing insomnia actually improved their sleep weight just with education alone. And we've been trying then to get that embedded within the school curriculum, mm-hmm. and we hit wall after wall and i just don't understand it because this is low-hanging fruit and um so yeah which, which
0: usually isn't great but this is gold
1: <laughs> yeah. it's low-hanging gold and delicious and, and and you know by arming our young people with this knowledge yeah. it's not only helping them now their educational performance their 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 their, their mood uh, and and indeed it's been shown that um you know if you, if you actually can improve the sleep of, of youngsters you reduce self-harm you reduce truantism, um but it's some it's Information they can carry with them throughout the rest of their life, right, and, and so I think I think you know, the key thing is to embed that information early on, but also in the commercial sector. I mean, the divorce rate for some groups of night shift workers is six times higher than the day shift. Now, what we need to do is get the information out there to al- you know, alert people that this is a potential, not just them, but also their partners. You know, the fact that they, this person that you married and that you, you loved hasn't turned into a monster, this is the consequence of massively disrupted
0: and reduced sleep. But what hope is there for us, Russell? And I'm a very optimistic human being, right? What hope is there for us with these other changes if we are still um, paying deference to British summertime? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's got to go. And, in fact, I'm sitting on a panel which is deciding whether Australia should move off um, the, the summertime it's the schedule. the US has
0: just announced it, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah,
1: indeed. I think Australia will go the same way. Um, uh, we have a slight problem in that, of course, we've got sort of a, a long uh, sort of geographic range. And so I think people in Scotland are very supportive of that extra hour of light in the evening. Um, but the data show that after this transition there's a blip in the accident rate there's a blip in the uh in heart attacks fatal uh, blips yeah yeah, uh, and so um, I I would argue against uh, the the summertime shifts absolutely.
0: And where are we with our circadian rhythm? Uh, is it is it ninety minutes in general? Um, the, the sort of the s- s- cycles within the general cycle of the day.
1: So the sleep wake cycle. Yeah. Um, so if we can divide sleep up into REM and non REM sleep. Right. And so uh, what happens is you descend very rapidly into non REM sleep, yeah. then r- r- you know r- ramp up into into REM sleep, which is where we have most of our vivid uh, and complicated dreams. And we go through that REM, non-REM cycle. Every depends upon how old you are but sort of 90 minutes or so. 60... During the
0: day as well? No, no,
1: no. Just, just at s- right. during sleep. So so we, we don't show those sorts of cycles during the wake state.
0: So what is the thing that I've, I've read about in the past and heard about and talked about a lot of, of us feeling sort of uncomfortable every 90 minutes-ish and it's when you get that, that itch to go and go outside and have a cigarette or make a cup of tea or lose concentration Because Einstein, famously, every 90 minutes, he would just fall asleep and he would hold a pen... You know this story. He would hold a pencil in his hand in his office and he had a wooden floor. And every 90 minutes, he would begin to sense the fact he was losing focus. And so then he would just lean back, close his eyes, and just at the point where the sleep was going to be too deep for his own good, he would drop his pencil, it would hit the floor, and that sound would wake him up. And that was about a 90-minute to two-hour rhythm. What's that about? I
1: I mean, there's no... Obvious biological basis for right. that that I'm aware of. Okay, um, uh, but I think it emphasizes the fact that there's lots of ways of getting the sleep that you need to function optimally. Right. And the key thing is you define what works for you, and then you defend those behaviours.
0: Um, just define and defend. Define. Oh, I like that. That's great. As long as it doesn't involve too much confirmation bias, because that's unhealthy. Okay. Oh, I, I suppose we're sort of um, uh, airing towards the, uh, the the realms of napping now. So let's yeah. just have a chat, chat about so, napping.
1: So. Again, Again, uh, the general rule is that a 20-minute nap can be quite useful in improving your ability to function during the, the second half of the day. Um, longer than that, you can descend into deeper sleep, and then re- sort of waking from that can make can leave you sort of foggy. So, in 20 minutes is is, is the ideal. However, you've got to be careful about naps. And again, we return to our wonderful teenagers, because what's happening is they have shortened sleep at night for a whole variety of reasons. They're biologically programmed to, to, to go to bed later. They uh, uh, are also using their, their, their devices, which is sort of keeping them up, social media. So the alarm clock drags them out of bed. They're chronically tired. They struggle through the school day, sometimes falling asleep, actually, at their desks, get home, and then they have a two-hour or even longer sleep. And what that does is push back the sleep pressure that night, making it less likely that uh, I get to sleep. And so you can fall into a cycle of extended naps during the day, reduced sleep at night, and that's not, broadly speaking, healthy. All
0: right. And you can set your, your alarm clock. You can set your your smartphone to wake you up at a certain time. Yeah. But you must set your circadian rhythm as well. That's really important.
1: I think that's so crucial. It's it's we've got this beautiful
0: um, time
1: structure. You know, d- d- really. I mean, the, the thing about our biology we've got to deliver the right stuff to the right place the right concentration at the right time of day and it's our circadian rhythms that, that sort of give us that time structure but they're no use unless the internal day is set to the external world and for that it's primarily light exposure in fact, that's where I've sort of done most of our research, which is, which is how does the eye detect this light-dark cycle and set the clock? And in the process of asking what was a very straightforward question, we discovered a new light sensor within the eye. So, so the eye is, is this extraordinary organ. It gives us both our sense of space because of vision, but also our sense of time because of its ability to regulate the internal clock.
0: Yeah, so what I do in the morning, because we, we're in between shift works, I suppose, because we get up at silly clock on a regular basis, yeah. you know, which is which is uh, an interesting existence. I mean, it's lovely, but you've got to, you you can't resist it. And you do for the first few years of doing a job like this, but then you accept it, you embrace it, and then your life becomes better for it. And so what I do in the morning when I wake up at four, it's all like, oh, the lights in my bedroom are on, and at seven o'clock at night, I'm, I've got my iPad on, I, I mask on, and I'm yeah. I'm just trying to create, and it does
1: help. It, it absolutely does. And because light doesn't have the same effect at, at dawn and so morning light advances the clock makes you get up earlier dusk light delays the clock makes you get up later and so what you're doing is you're advancing your clock by that morning light exposure which is great for you because you need to get in to here
0: yeah absolutely um you do um touch the book's brilliant it's brilliant (laughs) we've all absolutely loved your book thank you so much and it's such an easy read it's which is quite strange because you know you, you tell it very well, you distill it for us, but it's still, there's still a lot, a lot of detail in there, but somehow it's still in there and I've, you make me feel a bit cleverer because <laughs> you've done a lot of the heavy lifting for us, but you've given us a chance to shine ourselves um, within the pages of your book. Lifetime, the new science of how the body clock um, works and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health. Um, and sex before bed can help you sleep yes. well, that's the data <laughs> and, then, and that was, kind, I mean, I was like what um yeah. so you, you might want to give this a go you insomnia <laughs> you crazy love-struck insomniacs out there how does that work uh, well i mean it's,
1: it's associated with the re- release of a bunch of um hormones that actually relax you i mean one of the great enemies of sleep is stress right. and anything that can reduce stress is is great for sleep.
0: OK, is it, uh, we've got a minute left. Would you, is there anything else that we've missed out on or a headline message you'd like to get across? Or, or, or what? I, I,
1: I think the key thing for me is to really emphasise that sleep is like shoe size. One size does not fit all. And what you need to do is work out what, what works for you uh, and, then, and then embrace it. Uh, and, 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 and also, so the sleep apps, for example, drive me crazy. Yeah. You know, they give you this information. You've had a good night's sleep or a bad night. They simply can't assess it. Yeah. None of these apps are, being in, uh, are endorsed by the sleep societies or the federations. And so take the data you get from those with a pinch of salt.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody who wants to put a number on anything usually wants to do that more for their benefit than the the well being or. or uh the good fortune of everybody else it's just a thing you know because yeah. it's all based on breath and heartbeats and you don't know you can still have uh, different breathing patterns and different heart rates and still have a great yeah, life. i mean
1: what they're good for of course is in the same way that if you want to lose weight you know you you change your behavior you weigh yourself in the morning and you see you've lost weight and that reinforces the change of behavior yeah. so if you if you you know look at when you went to sleep how long you've slept that's fine and that can be really useful
0: all right well you're more than really useful well done my friend thank you so much you're a very clever
1: Man. <laughs> uh, what were you we like as a child? Oh, I was... Um... Uh, well, I was in remedial sc- uh, school for but a long time. But in traditional
0: education, it in doesn't mean you weren't a genius. Yeah. It yeah. just means that you were...
1: I, I just lived in my own world. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's not cha- it's not um, a learning difficulties, it's learning differences. I
1: think that's right, yeah. And what we've got to do is, is provide the broadest educational opportunities for our
0: young people yeah. and capitalise on their brilliance. Right, we're way over. I'm in trouble. Uh, thanks <laughs> very much, Russell. You're awesome. The book, once again, Lifetime, the new science of the body clock. It's amazing and how it can revolutionise your sleep. Now, thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Vast. see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye there we are that was the neuroscientist professor Russell Foster helping us rethink our body clocks if you like that you have to buy the book it is absolutely awesome it'll stay in my life forever Lifetime is the title the new science of the body clock and how it can revolutionise your sleep and health and if you did like this episode don't forget to rate and review this podcast I want to dive into the How To Wow archive for more wisdom from the likes of Matthew McConaughey Dave Grohl and Dame Judy Dench just to name three ta-da